Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Don't be married. Don't have kids. I think that that's the key. <laughs> that's the message of our, our podcast. <laughs> yes. Ray, this is just a cover. <laughs> Once again, you know what? I, I remember okay, last time Ileana was here, you were the first the first time we had to, because, uh, you know, we've been recording all this. Yes, good. And and the show always starts with people chatting. Yes. And we just sort of come into it. And okay. the first time, you were our first guest, and I had to cut all of that. <laughs> because of the things you said. Because of the things you were saying. So about I'm like, a oh. certain executive. No, no. Well, there were other things. Oh. Yeah. And then other things. And then, and then and this time I'm like, well, this time we'll get that with Ileana. And, and I'm getting more and you're more. You're here naming names you. again. I'm, I'm like, oh my God, no. I got to cut her again. I'm getting more and more like my grandmother. Like what? What did I, what did I say? What did I say? I said the woman was fat. What is wrong with it? She is fat. <laughs> Not anymore. That's my <laughs> Not anymore. That's fattest. I know. I know. Everything is wrong. Everything is wrong. In this um, Trumpian world. Yes. Somehow, yeah. That that's that's no the way. weird At least thing. we have a good attorney general. Let me thank him for that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, at least he's honest and upright. Yeah. We're not in... No, you're not getting anything. Go away. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's astonishing how, like, everyone everyone but him has to has to watch their language. <laughs> no. Anyway. Moving anyway, along. Yeah, can we start oh, yeah. to pretend to have a different conversation so I don't have to cut yeah. it all? Is that the... <laughs> Let's let's see. Let's Are we gonna start? We yeah. can start. She brought her. She brought her. Oh, okay. I've got my notes. Got you want notes? You can work. I got my notes. notes. Do we have any, do we have any house allowed. cleaning to do? We have well, only, only Yeah, we have to do what's been going on since I started this. Well, we, yeah. we've become a media empire. <laughs> yes, we're, we're uh, on your shoulders. Now. <laughs> exactly. Make raking in the big bucks. Yeah, exactly. Um, I don't know. What is see this? Our, our our sumptuous new studio. It's beautiful. Yes. You can tell. I love it. It's so much bigger. It's twice as big as the old. I love it. Um, I know that on uh, May twelfth, which this will almost certainly drop before, we're going to be doing Malton Fest. That's right. Oh right. And guess who our special guest is? Is it is it Malton? Oh, Don, you <laughs> blew it. <laughs> I think we have. It's the ghost of Mickey Rooney. <laughs> I think I did. I say this before. We like, have Leonard Malton's going to do the show at the end of Malton Fest. And, and I've, we've always wanted, you know, it's like Joe knows him really well. I know him well he's enough. He's the to, best. But it's like, I, he was just such an odd one to have on the show because he's right. talked about everything. Right. And I had this, you know, and they, they reached out. They said, do you guys want to do uh, Malton Fest? I was like, yeah, absolutely. It'll be great to do it with him. And what's the, and I just had this moment of, actually, I think Nancy, I think my wife went, why don't you do this? Mm-hmm. And I went, oh, and I, I sent an email to him and I was like, would you be up for doing this as your subject? And it's like, if I gave you this, you're going to have to wait. <laughs> not going to tell us. Not going to tell you. But if I gave anybody in this room, myself included, this this challenge, it yeah. would break your brain. Right. You would just, you would, blood would start squirting out of your nose <laughs> and your ears and you would just quit finally. And, and, uh, uh, I was talking to Jesse the other day, his daughter, and I was like, is he going to, she's like, oh yeah, he's already. So, Wow. We'll and see. Plus, he's got a lot of other duties that we He's got other things. It's his yeah. festival. Yeah. Yeah. Plus, coming off the, the heels of uh, TCM. Yeah. 
you yeah, know, too. No, he's, he's, uh, it's, it's Leonard's world. But, yes. Uh, we just live in it. That's right. Let's, let's roll some music. Good old Leonard. This is The Movies That Made Me with your hosts, Josh Olson and Joe Dante. Turning guests, one of I our love it. by popular demand, Thank by you. popular demand, mine. No, <laughs> no, I'm kidding. She had nowhere else to go. Um, uh, <laughs> last time, uh, the great Ileana Douglas was with us. Yes, um, we we took advantage of a thing you've been working on for many many years. Uh, she, That's right. You did. She did. Why am I talking about her like she's not here? Yeah, <laughs> you I like did, it. You did your favorite scenes, your ten favorite scenes from movies. Oh my god, that took months. And you've been working on that forever. And you yeah. talked, and we just happen to coincide with the fact we've got a show where you can give us your list. Yes, um, you haven't had as much time. No, I have only had a year, however. <laughs> <laughs> a year, or but, as any good professional does, jam it in last weekend. So, but there you go. <laughs> Think um, about it for a year. It's. It's exactly. just like your homework, you know, you do it yeah. on Sunday night. But but yeah. you've come back After with uh, uh, your favorite shots. Yes, which which I found was much tougher than the scenes. Because, oh, you're talking about, because yeah, you had some rules, right? Was that well, the- first of all, yes, everyone should know that it's not, for, for if you're going to do shots, the first thing I think you need to throw out is expertise on cinema. That should not go into it. One of my rules was, would I hang it on the wall? If this were a shot, you know, like I'm okay. It's a great clockwork orange. It's a great shot of his eye. You know, he blinded an an actor like Equus. He blinded him. But I would. Oh, that's. I'm thinking of. Of course, yeah. I was thinking of that opening shot of him looking out, which I've actually seen all the things. Yeah, with the things. You know, but and it's brilliant. But would I want it? You know, look at it every day. The two twins in the hallway. Would I want that? Yeah, shot that sure in my uh living room no so i those are out so then i so these are these are my shots but that are based on my own sort of uh, personal taste that i actually think are are difficult to that have is involved some difficulty therefore even though it's one of my favorite movies the bandwagon even though visually one of my favorite shots as I've said to Josh, I'm kind of obsessed with it. When Sid Charisse splays her leg in the, you know, in the ballet, in the dance with, with Fred Astaire, that to me is like, you know, some, I think for me personally, it's like the most erotic thing I've ever seen in my life. That is the shot. Like when I was a little kid, I was turned on by that <laughs> shot when nobody else was. Was not everybody else's fantasy to make love in a movie theater. <laughs> anyway, so I must, uh, I must congratulate you on the felicity of choosing this subject for a podcast. Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> but and then the other, uh, my other rule was that I, good I, point, good point, was that I can't, you can't have endings. I because I think that endings are because they always have the great shot, right? Yeah. Because it should inherently. So throw away, you know, the shot of the end of the third man, you know, toss it out because it's just, it's inherently brilliant because it's, you know, 
it's the uh, it's the end of the movie. Mm-hmm. And same thing with the beginnings. You know, sometimes if the beginning, See, I, I would quibble there, but yeah, you would yeah, yeah. like well, give me uh, an example. Well, no, the one you mentioned I'm, is, is uh, the third man. No, no, no. I'm uh, sorry. When we talked, um, uh, uh, touch of evil, touch of evil. Yeah, I mean, you you've just discounted one of the greatest shots in cinema because it it's is the opening shot. It is. It is. It is. You yeah, know, it's a couple of blocks. What's a big deal? Or then the and, and then by extension I, the opening shot. But the Josh, player. you're going to see that I I'm sure. in I'm my sure. list. I have an answer <laughs> to Touch of Evil, sir. Uh, okay. So we're gonna we're All gonna right. get to that. But I didn't do. And of course, as I always, you know, as I always state, this is not serious unless we meet later in the parking lot. <laughs> <laughs> Don't, don't like you mess. Now I'm thinking Touch of Evil, all the shots I got, all the memorable shots in that film. Of course, it's brilliant. Of course, it is. Nobody ever talks about the memorable shot in the hotel room. Yeah, but that's where not a shot. Where, where but you wouldn't hang that up. he's finding. No, no, because if, well, you're, if you're talking shots rules, but that's that are, my rule. That are a, a, a yeah. visual frame, that's one thing. If you're talking about shots where it's camera movement, that's a different kind of a thing. Yes. And and the, the scene in the middle of Touch of Evil with the with finding the shoebox is, you know, it, it's deceptive because when you first look at it, yeah. you don't notice that it's right. all one take. Yes, yeah. that's true. That's true. And there's a few, you know, things like that. But yeah. and sometimes I, I cheated on my own list. Like one of the shots on my list is just a shot, but it's just so brilliant that I. But they are, yeah, no, because well, of course all. she's coming back in a few months to do her favorite frames. <laughs> well, we still have to do editing. And then editing. Yeah, no, no, we have the uh, the entire panoply of Song. cinematic yeah. devices. And then it's going to be a game show, <laughs> a, a dinner party game show, and which yes. fisticuffs. Yes, well, that's. Yeah. Have you ever gotten in a fight with anyone over a movie? I have. I actually have gotten a, a physical fight. Well, practically a physical fight over. I've, the had, I've had pretty. I've had some deep arguments about movies with people. We, I was in college though. Yeah, and we were. Passionate and drinking. We, we'd get like, that is not a movie. And you'd get really angry about something or, or something that's derivative. Or you take somebody to film. see a movie that you really love because you think that they're going to, it's going to speak to them. Yes. The way it speaks to you and you really like them oh, and they yeah. turn out, they don't get it at all. They don't like it at all. And they're annoyed this by is, it. And this is, this is a, this is a friendship cracker. Totally. Uh, <laughs> I totally agree. I, you know, I, when I was in the acting school, I took someone to see, uh, uh, Harold and Maude. And he said it was juvenile. Oh. And uh, I said goodbye to him at the 14th Street station. Yeah. He thought I was kidding. I was like, no, we're we're through. Like, that's, <laughs> you know, no, it's, it's, oh. a, it's, a, it's a rite of passage that you kind of have to go to. When, when, I, when, I, was was in, like, when I was in school in Philadelphia, uh, Shock Corridor was playing at uh, the Grindhouse, the local right. Grindhouse. And um, I took... And for five nights, I took five different people to see the picture. Yeah. And by the time the fifth night was over, I had, I only had two friends left. (laughs) (laughs) You know what that reminds reminds me of? My move, my relationship movie was the heartbreak kid. And, and if I was seeing a guy, I was like, well, and this is even now everything's online, but in the old days you'd have the DVD and I put on the DVD and one very famous now Oscar winning actor the only hint I'll give you is that he's British. I showed him the movie and he got up from the, he said, why would you show me this movie? He got very upset. I said, it's funny. It's supposed to be funny. It's funny. Like we're funny. We're in a, he got very upset. And he didn't and, laugh during the movie. 
No, he got very upset. He said, why would you show me this movie? Like as if it was some personal attack. But on he him. waited all the way through the movie to say that at the end. No, like with, about 20 minutes oh, in, I realized, in. Oh, I realized he in. wasn't laughing. That's and you know, good. when you're laughing, you're like, it's great, yeah. right? And you realize, no, they're not laughing no, it's, at all. It, it, this it, is it, actually it, the first time I'm happy that Richard E. Grant did not win this past year. Because if it was him, I'd be heartbroken. But you're saying it's someone who won and he didn't win. So oh, yes. I know yes. it's not Richard E. Grant, so I'm okay. I don't well, care who else. that's another one with <laughs> Nail and I. Yes. That was another yes. one of my go-to movies because, again, back in the day, it didn't exist anywhere. And so if there were movies that I was obsessed with and I had to bring them with me everywhere, I'd get that um, – What's the name of that director? Marty, uh, Marty, somebody's yeah. Marty Scorsese. Yes. yes. But he had like, you know, he had the whole works. It is, uh, it is office. So he could do films and give you VHSs. And <laughs> I was such a hit with my friends. You know? <laughs> I've got bloom in love and no one else has it. I had bloom in love and I had Alex in Wonderland, which is like nobody oh, had. God. Nobody had no Alex. Wants. In, nobody had Alex. Nobody, in wants. <laughs> nobody wants Alex. <laughs> well, I. But anyway, he he made me a dub of With Nail and I, and I remember like nobody had seen it up uh. in uh, when I was doing a live, and we all, you know, and I was like, I'm telling you, people, if you don't like this movie, like this is it. But everybody, oh, thank God, everybody thank God. loved How it. How do you not love With Nail? It, it for a couple of days on set in the movie Alive, we were all sort of Richard E. Grant, <laughs> drunken, <laughs> performing drunkenly in the in the movie. But uh, yeah, I don't. And then another, um, a recent unnamed boyfriend. After me telling him these stories about Harold and Maude, I had got the Criterion version of Limelight, which I've, which as you know was in the top. 10, yep, top 10 scenes. scenes. Oh. I, I think, I believe it was number one. He fell asleep. Like, literally. I mean, it was well, like. Well, that can happen to the best of us. No, no. If you're it doesn't tired know. and if you know. Not if you're really honest boyfriend. No. I guess not. <laughs> so, uh, who falls asleep? 15 minutes into the line, I look over, I was like, is this a joke? Like, is he kidding? Well, did he, when it went on, did he say, oh, black and white? No, he just, no, but he fell, but he fell asleep. He, at least he knew he was in trouble. And I never played the movie again. I was like, that's it. You know, then you get punished. Actually, I, I've been on the receiving end, I guess, of that where, where, uh, I mean, I realized, I realized the relationship had just ended in the middle of an argument with, uh, but, but, um, it was not cause she didn't like the movie. She, she was screaming at me that the crow was the greatest film ever made. We had just seen the crow. I had just shown I had just shown her Miller's Crossing. Let's call and, her up. And she had said something along the lines of, well, it's no crow. And I what the <laughs> and then so she's sitting there getting ready, you know, it's like, well, you don't love the crow. I can't be with him. And I'm going, Miller's crossing your I can't be with this person. <laughs> Meanwhile, my life loves love actually, and I find that we forgive one thing. One major, major thing in yes. the person we love. You have to. I used to sort of feel that way about planes, trains, and automobiles, you know, like gr guilty pre pleasure. But then eventually, no, that's well, that's what I mean. Like back in the day, we would have much higher standards yeah. for like a film. Well, it wasn't an odd film, you know, but, uh, but planes, planes, trains has got wonderful stuff in it. Incredible. Well, no, I believe me now. I mean, I'm, it, but little movies like that along, you know, along the way. You know, but I have my my certain ones that I wouldn't. I learned my lesson with Heartbreak Kid, boy. I'm not, <laughs> you can't show that to too many people. I'm certain it's, movies. 
or another sometimes other movies too that are just too camp men, men don't get into the camp movies no do they? they tend to think it's Unless silly. They're the science fiction like oh. the star could you could i show you betty davis the star you could show me betty davis the star but you couldn't show me the julie andrews the star oh yeah, that was pretty bad. What about Darling Lily? We're gonna go to yeah. That's that, that's Darling Lily. Actually, isn't bad. I, I I I'm with you. In fact, I was gonna say maybe next time we could do top ten movies that are considered bad that aren't really that bad. Nineteen forty one. To give you an example. Well, there are, there are movies that have have oh, their have oh. they've had no nineteen forty one. No, is they've a good they've film. had their their uh, initial views resuscitated. Yeah. yeah. You know, the pictures that were considered bad at one point are now like Mommy Dearest was considered a really terrible movie. It yes. was a terrible Well, now it's got quite a following. But yeah. not as a good film. It's got a camp following. Well, then 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 you come which, to which the which definitions. Had what, what is that? Yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah. it was always a camp movie. Yeah. And she knew it. She was playing it that way. Yeah. Yeah. I'm actually thinking this will be the first time we throw a guest off the show for I can't talk to someone who thinks 1941 is good. <laughs> I'm sorry. Well, you yeah. probably haven't seen the reconstituted version with, with all Dick Miller's scenes back in. Uh, well, I'm sure that's better. <laughs> we, had, we had a guest, Stephen Bissett, who's a great, great comic book artist who had drawn um, the graphic novel of 1941. Did you see that letter? That, and, uh, it, was Spielberg, for heavy, it was for Heavy Metal. For Heavy Metal magazine. And, they, and they, they interpreted it in a way that Spielberg was really not happy with. Uh-huh. <laughs> yes. Yes. It's glorious. I think it's the best thing to come out of that. But um Oh well I I like to I think the dance sequences. I really like the dance. Oh, Treat sure. Williams okay. is great. Right. It's a snapshot of a certain era, I guess. It is. There's an awful lot of close ups of people screaming though. Uh, that's probably you know, yeah, that's not my insane. favorite thing. No, that's probably true. <laughs> Robert Stack is in it though. Yeah. It's yeah. got some funny mo I you yeah. know it has some very funny and it's beautifully produced. Yes, in terms of looks. Okay, let's get serious. So this has been Ileana Douglas. Thanks for joining us. We're out of time. Number one. <laughs> Are you starting at the top? Well, oh. <clears throat> number, I went, number one, the Tom Grease movie with Charlton Heston? No. I, I went the not. opposite. In no, no the, the meaning that- Whatever um, makes you happy. I did it. I, I did it in a kind of, um, I was I was so mixed up with my whether to start with- the greatest one. And then, you know, is, is there suspense? I thought it was more fun to go to start with the great, the great and then the middle. And then. Well, considering the way that the conversation usually devolves in the show, I think that's probably <laughs> the right way to do it. <laughs> I just figured let's start with the bang. I just wanted to start with the best. Open with a bang. Number one, uh, I think one. This of, goes on your wall. Oh, this one goes on your wall. Without a doubt, which part it would go on the wall, maybe you would have to help me with. I can think. We, can we guess the shot if you tell us the movie? No. It's not, the there's Manchurian a lot of Manchurian Candidate. Which one? Oh, <laughs> that is it. Sorry. Obviously, the second one. God. I'm bringing up with a guest and a co host <laughs> all on the same episode. So. Now, you were talking, which shot have you chosen? Yes, it is, of course, the uh, the shot, and I call it the uh, hydrangea scene. I, for my money, maybe you can disagree with me, I think it is the greatest, and I've been involved, we're going to talk about 360s. This is literally a 360-degree shot. Oh, God, of Because course. the yes, entire I'm... set turned. I have... 
participated as an actor in a few. They're hard. They're so hard to do through the three sixties, but mainly they just revolve. They're just tracks around a dinner table. Now, right. those are no, but this is a whole set that's completely changed. The, it changes the, the actors change. The everything changes, and it's it's brilliant. It is that movie, by the way, is I think comparatively unsung, considering what a really great movie it is, and yeah. how dare I say uh, up to date? Oh, uh, it is. Um, it's it's I, Frankenheimer had this run. Of, of yes. from from the late fifties to the mid sixties, starting with his live TV, that were just yeah, the live TV stuff was great. The comedian is great. Yeah, I mean, Days of Wine and Roses, and he was just so incredible up until the Grand Prix era, right? Where as you know, Elephantitis, uh, the, the th- same Something. thing happened to William Wyler and all these yeah. guys. They just they, the stuff gets too big for them. Yeah, and they lose the personal stuff that made their movies great. And but his, his it was even Frankenheimer's choice of what movies to make. Yeah. Were, you know, seven days in May and, uh, and seconds. I mean, these are yeah, not all of them were successful insane. movies, but yeah. they, but they are, Great. they're incredible movies. And, and seconds too has some, this is a fun discussion just because if you haven't seen Manchurian Candidate, first of all, stop, stop yeah. listening and go, stop, see go Mary see it. and then watch seconds. What a great double feature. Yeah. And then, you know, you'll, Never want to leave. Yeah, you'll kill yourself. You'll never <laughs> want to leave your house. But for me, I picked Manchurian Cannon and Frankenheimer over. I decidedly did this. I put him over Stanley Kubrick because although, yes, Kubrick's shots are masterful, there's something about Frankenheimer, like when you say, in this run, there are just some shots that are unbelievable. And his technique of using... I don't know anybody else who has done it in the way I know that they've copied him and trying to do it, but that wide angle langs he, he does with the person in the foreground of the other person and you can see everything behind. I, I don't know how he did it and it's astonishing. And, but that scene literally, I don't know how he accomplished it to literally have a set built and have the set move and people pulling it and then, replace it with other you know with other uh other actors incredible choreography yeah yes and now my i was going to say that i have been as i was saying to josh on the phone uh martin scorsese you used to love he he was the first person i worked with as an actor that did 360s and he used to love to do them oftentimes scoping the crowd and ending on one individual that was sort of his technique when i went and started doing other movies for some reason i'm just curious just because we're on the topic it became very popular to do a 360 around a dinner table does anyone recall this well there's a reason for that okay tell it's because if you have a bunch of people at a dinner table yes you can get completely flummoxed by the screen direction Yes. And okay. and if you do a 360 and you work it out so that the people talking are the ones who are on camera, right. it's not easy to do. I mean, it's no. hard to do and it's hard to light. But if you can do that, it's not it's not only is it fluid and it's better for the actors, but when you get into the editing room, you don't have the problem of, oh my God, she's looking the wrong way. I've got to flop the shot. Yes. And, and, the, and the longer the scene and the more people are involved, the more likely that somebody's going to make a mistake. Yes. <laughs> and having been... 
a part of both dinner scenes where that has happened, which Uh-oh. two o'clock in the morning and Fourth of July weekend, and they, you don't remember which way Ron Liebman was looking. But I've also been in the circular ones, and like you say, seemingly because of people like Marty that did them so well, effortlessly, and also had, uh, you know, all day long to light and it was, so by the time you came in it was perfect but the couple times that i've done them with directors where you know they tried to put them together in four hours and like they weren't working and nothing yeah. was working very ambitious but i once had a uh, a director who who uh, was not working and i just was happened to be standing there and he threw a tantrum and he turned around and he looked at me. He goes, oh, I get it. I get it. I guess Marty can do these in his sleep, right? <laughs> I was like, peripheral damage from, Sorry. from working with someone who knew how to do a 360. So that is why my number one, I had to go with a literal um, 360. And then just talk about John Frankenheimer because I just think he he's so, so underrated. And in my opinion although everybody talks about howard hawks i'll get to him but i've never seen anyone who was such a brilliant stage uh who knew how to stage and people I think for emotion that, i think a lot of that came from television because you know it was yeah. live television and you had to do it all right then it was like a stage play almost but you yeah. had to get the cameras maneuvered to get into one spot and it's kind of exciting to watch like for instance, the original Re- Requiem for Heavyweight, there are f- it's full of mistakes. Yeah, I mean, there are many times when the actor gets to the mirror and there's a camera in the mirror, and then, then right. somebody get, doesn't get there at the right time, and the camera has to switch over. But it's 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 thrilling. Yes, to watch it, you know, it's just it's exciting because it's live. Now, when I was a kid, I felt differently. When I was a kid, I saw some shots, some scenes that where something fell over, and I was so <laughs> embarrassed for the actors that if they said it was live, I didn't want to watch it because I'd get too upset. <laughs> You know, worrying that something was going to go wrong. Um, but it's, there is a lot uh, on video now, there is a lot of material from, from uh, the Playhouse 90 days where, oh, you know, there's, yes. and it's, you know, it's, it's, it's a little fuzzy because it's a kinescope and all that, but there's some great stuff. I think just so. just is, is not yeah. in the, in the public mind anymore. I, I, one thing that surprised me is how many movies were live television shows before they were turned into movies. movies. Yeah. You know, so you'd see patterns. Yes, Marty, patterns. Twelve right. Angry Men, Marty, right? Marty, um, um, Stalin. When the one my grandfather did one about Stalin. That was actually one of the famous ones about. <coughs> excuse me, the refrigerator. I think that was where they accidentally. That was, uh, you know, they they did the, you know, was the they were doing something about the Holocaust, and then they. <laughs> Like, it was like Frigidaire, something terrible with ovens. Oh, come on. Well, I don't even want to. Shouldn't be. Rev- you should oh, judgment, judgment in Nuremberg was the one. Yes, Judgment because, in Nuremberg. Because that was Apologies. the one that was brought to you by the gas company. Yes. Oh, God. And they didn't realize until they started to run. Oh, my God. That's not good. And so they they started bleeping. Yes. Gas. And my, my grandfather was in that. It was and just he, chambers. Yeah. Jesus. <laughs> Those were the days. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy 
Happy price, price line. And since we're totally going off topic, the uh, my when my grandfather did, uh, he did a live show, one of the live Sid Caesar shows, and it was Melvin Douglas. We're Melvin Douglas, by the way. and it was brought to you by Snowcrop Orange Juice, and all week long they teased him they said you're gonna say snow crap you're gonna say snow crap and he did it right and he did it right and the live on the air said brought to you by snow crap you know <laughs> so he was very upset with them for getting that in there and snow crap doesn't even exist anymore but that's, no, I, mean, I bet you remember snow I, crap. actually i never had that you never had snow crop orange juice no i i my, was, my mom wouldn't let us drink that stuff <laughs> It was crap. What are you, a communist? You commie? But the thing, not to talk about movies, but the... Yes. Um, <laughs> no, just see here thinking you about Frank. a little. I, 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 you know. People like um, that. Yeah. I, you know, we've been talking for an hour. We got one of our shots. The, um, <laughs> the... <laughs> but the thing That's with Frank and I were, I'm always fascinated. The only thing I can think of, because he is, he's so fucking good and he doesn't get that credit. And there, you see filmmakers who are far more audacious in their... Style get that notice, and I'm thinking about that scene. It's a perfect example because when you said Manchurian Candidate, I had to think about like what's an amazing shot in Manchurian Candidate. The whole thing looks good, but it doesn't it doesn't scream out to you. Here's a bravura shot, and I'm right. thinking about it that scene, and I think like like everything he does. The reason it's so good, the reason he's so good, and I think the reason he's so underrated is I don't know that there's another way to shoot that scene to do what it has to do. He's not going, how can I do something spectacular here that'll knock him? It's a scene. No, it's as, you're telling a story. You're telling a story. And the in story the best is way. that from the point of view of the, the prisoners, they think they're in a uh, garden party. Right. And in fact, they're in a communist uh, yeah. uh, propaganda place. And it's got to be smooth. You can't do it with cuts and it because that's no, jarring. They literally built the set. I, I don't know how it's possible to, to, uh, to rotate the entire set in it's another movie since it's a sidebar thing i think it's the only movie uh with frank sinatra in which frank sinatra's personality does not take over the movie he services the movie yeah. in a great way and he was notoriously impatient mm -hmm. you know but in this movie i mean it, i think it's I, I can't remember him ever being better in a movie uh but but he is as you say part of the ensemble but that's also part of uh, frankenheimer's gift which is that you know, he worked with so many actors and he was very loyal to them. And he would, you'd see the same actors appearing over yes. and over. I mean, Whit Bissell, I think, was the uh, f the theater manager in The Young Stranger, which is mm -hmm. the first TV show that he turned into a movie. Yeah. And he and, and Bissell played the part in the TV show and then he put him in the movie mm -hmm. and they got along. And in, in all these movies, he's, oh, there's Whit Bissell. Well, yeah. That's true of almost every movie in the 60s, but, <laughs> but certainly in Frank and Iris movies. And, and and a lot of other people that um, that that keep reappearing. And, and he had really good taste in actors. I mean, Kai D, who is the, yeah. you know, the, the Chinese actor, uh, is just He's great. He only shows up in a couple of movies, but he only, he only made a couple of movies. Yes. And Madame Spivy, yeah. you know, who is another really odd, offbeat character who was also well-known for being in a, a couple of Alcourt Hitchcock episodes. Uh, I mean, it, it, those, those, that, that was a great era. Yeah. I think yeah. people didn't appreciate them when they were new as much as they do now. And 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 the use of Lawrence Harvey because I, I, I just is the cannot most, the greatest imagine. piece of casting. There is yeah. no other part. <laughs> That Lawrence Harvey could have ever played that he was so perfect. For. Yes, because Lawrence Harvey was, you know, he's not, not a likable. versatile actor. Yeah, and and he and he's not a likable actor. 
Yeah. And and yet, when he talks about at the weekend that he spends with Leslie Parrish and yeah. about how wonderful it was and how happy was they so all lovable. were and we were so lovable, he is lovable. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's really great. Yeah. I mean, he's a tragic character. And and, and Angela Lansbury, who was apparently like two years younger yeah, than like, him, yeah. <laughs> played his That's mother. his mother. And yeah. that's another fabulous performance. I mean, yes. It, it's just, it's a really, a, it's a treasure trove. Yeah, shot for shot. That is, is just brilliant. So- Manchurian Candidate beats yeah. number yes. two on my list, which is Dr. Strangelove, which is not oddly one of my favorite films. I don't find it as ha-ha enjoyable. As I saw that picture when it was new and no one laughed. I saw the day it opened so it was, and no one laughed. It, well, it was, it was, you know, the Cuban Missile Crisis. That yeah. I mean, it was like everybody, was kind of, is this, is this supposed to be funny? I mean, it's a brilliant movie. Yeah. But, and, it, and it is funny. But at the, at the time... It, I think failsafe got more laughs. <laughs> oh, that's interesting. The uh, and the shot I picked obviously is the is the shot of the war room. And I I mean again I the shot I, that doesn't quite show the war room. That's the great thing about that movie is that yeah. the war room is such a fantastic set. And if you see the stills, right? You say, wow, boy, this is really a great set. And in the movie, you get a sense of what a great set it is, but you don't actually ever get to see it. You get right. mainly they use the overhead with the lights, the round yes. lights. Yeah. But I that but that shot I would put I would hang that shot on oh, my wall yeah, yeah, yeah. just because the impact for me that was you know, whereas like difficulty, skill, maturing candidate, Dr. Strangelove, the emotional impact when you see that for the first time, you're like, what the hell is that? And also then the emotional impact it had on society that we, people built offices and obviously credit goes to Ken Adams who Ken built Adams, it. Yeah. But they, you know, that it became in our psyche, which is so, you know, that people call things the war room. Yeah, very much so. And, uh, you know, that I think that, and what was the idea? They, they originally had a pie fight in that yeah, scene, right? Which seems it, no, it ends with a pie fight, but the movie ends now before the pie fight. Okay. And uh, I think Kubrick uh, saw the pie fight and just thought it wasn't what he wanted. It wasn't what he was trying to say. And even though they spent a lot of time on it, there's a lot of stills yeah. of the pie fight. I know. I saw, yeah, I Apparently saw the stills. Apparently he was, I was just talking to somebody from Warner Brothers to, uh, the other day about um, Kubrick and he was talking about The Shining, the scene that used to be at the end of The Shining, which is no longer there, which he was, which he described and which he said Kubrick was dis disappointed with how it turned out. Mm -hmm. uh, and also it involved a, a tennis ball that had apparently been a part of some other scenes in the movie, The Shining, but they they got reduced. So by the by the time it got to the end of the movie, and the tennis ball was like this this that that uh, that the hotel manager gives to the kid. Mm -hmm. it, it was supposed to it was meaningful, but it wasn't anymore because right. the tennis ball wasn't in it. So he actually had the prints cut. And the, it was he was he was always getting to, with this in two thousand one. He was always getting there late. You know, yeah. He would, and it's strange love. At least it went out the way that he wanted it to go out. Right. But, but the other pictures, he would like. Well, eh, we should we should cut that. And The Shining. I mean, he got twenty minutes out of it for Europe. Yeah. Uh, so I mean, there's there's no real cut. Yeah. Of that picture. And again, The Shining for me has and Kubrick again is a technician, you know. And I have that at the end, you know, Barry Lyndon. Every shot is obviously every, hang every shot in the museum. Every shot is, uh, and I, and I like. I mean, again, just in terms of prettiness, more than a movie like The Leopard, which again is every shot is kind of a masterpiece, but 
I don't know. I like Barry Lyndon. There, but some people don't want. That's another f- fight. Be, that's another movie. I took someone who was playing at the Cinerama Dome. Oh, the last time? Yeah, I was there. And he goes, <clears throat> I don't know. I don't like it. It's so fun. That's the thing you forget. How could you not like he, and he, yeah. he thought Ryan O'Neill was miscast? Wrong. <laughs> You're He's wrong. perfect for it. I mean, that's I that's the character. He's I wrong. Mean, yeah. Everybody in that friends. movie is perfectly cast. I know. I love it. I you know the per- he, the person is wrong. We're still friends, but well, we good. we argue about Barry Lyndon. Okay, so Doctor Strange Life number three. This is really, and this was tough because this almost made number two. Uh, I went with the red shoes. And, and because again, just first of all, the, co- I was going to ask you the color of the film is, seems different than our technicolor. Well, first of all, it's British technicolor, which right. is different than American technicolor. It's like bluish or something. And, right? uh, and well, it's, 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 it's printed a little bit differently. And yeah. also it's very difficult to now find prints of the red shoes that look the way that they did when they originally came out. I mean, that's another yeah. problem with film restoration is if they, you know, if, if there's nobody left from the movie right. that, that's, you, that, uh, that worked on it, then, yeah. uh, and it's, you've only got some memory of what it might've looked like. Right. They were, they were just restored Becky Sharp, apparently, and it was the first three strip Technicolor movie. Yes. And, and they did an amazing job, but they didn't have anything to go by. They didn't have, because the only prints of that movie that exist right. really were in cine color, which is two colors, which yeah. is not, not the way it was. This was, there had been two colors, but this yeah. was three colors, uh, and so they they managed to put it together. But it's it's a guess. I mean, you you end up guessing, right? And so I think that the people at Criterion certainly, and uh, you know, they they they're, they're very serious about their work, and they really try to to do their best, yeah, uh, at what they think it probably was supposed to look like, and, right. and uh, but. I've I've been in timing sessions where I when I when I worked for Roger, I used to go to MGM and we would time the trailers there and at the end we'd walk in and they would be timing some movie and we'd have to wait for it to finish and one one time they were ter- timing a picture called terror on a train with glenn ford which i happened to have previously seen on tv and it was a shootout in a train yard and it was shot day for night and they always timed the picture with no sound right and so they had they don't know the story of the movie yeah. they just timed the picture the way it's <laughs> oh. supposed to look and so they were timing it for daytime and, oh, and no. nobody was hitting each other because they were supposed to be shrouded in shadows. Yes. And I had to say to the guy, I said, you know, I, do you guys, do you, do you know that this is supposed to be a night scene? What do you mean? We're talking about little shadows. It's a night. I've seen this movie. It's a night scene. I think it would be better if you, guys, oh. if you guys would just listen to the soundtrack just once. So you know what's <laughs> happening. And then you can, you know. Yeah. And, and if, it, I, 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 if it wasn't for me, the picture would have gone out. But I keep seeing reviews of Movies now where they say, "Oh, this uh, this DVD is no good because there's daytime scenes and and they're supposed to be night scenes," but they didn't know. Hmm. You know, I mean, it's 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 hard to keep keep track of that kind of thing if you're not one of the filmmakers. Yes, well, the, and again, the, the something about Michael Powell movies, the red is like a yes. purple red yeah. that I have never. It is just otherworldly. It just has. I remember being a kid. And uh, I, I always love memories like this where you don't see the movie, you see a P, you turn on the TV and you're like, what is, what the hell is this? And the movie was Stairway to Heaven. And it just was like, what is this? I must. Stairway to Heaven is like, oh, also known as a matter of life and death. In fact, it's not called Stairway to Heaven anymore because oh. those prints are gone. Uh, <laughs> that is, that is a movie that looks like no other. And I remember the first time I saw this movie and I thought, this is like seeing movies for the first time. This is not. 
like other movies. It's just its own world, its own movie, and its own look, and yeah. certainly its own strange plot. Yeah. Uh, and all of Prowl's movies are like that. They're they're really a, a set apart from everybody else's. They really are. And so the color, you know, and I, I so I picked, although people like black, his film Black Narcissus, mm-hmm. and that's kind of cold. Yeah. In, in terms of like oh, a shot that takes, but for me, the red shoes is, um, I mean, there's two, it was really a tie. One is that insane. The, I would definitely have that on my wall. The close up of Moira Shira when she goes like this and you see, she's got this red, uh, you know, and her eyes and the white and the makeup and the red flaming hair. And it is, it's again, that emotional impact. That's what I always, you know, I went, I went for in that particular scene, but there's another shot. And again, maybe you can, uh, I don't know, tell me about, but in she's dancing, it's in the ballet sequence and there's a lot of whip. He uses whip pans also in a way that other people don't like, they don't look like a Batman episode. He, his are a whip. (laughs) Not that there's anything wrong with that, (laughs) but he uses them for what they meant to be, which is like an, an impact of like a man, another right. man, a woman, you know, uh, it sort of takes your breath away. But at one uh, point you, she's um, dancing and there's this kind of, again, this crazy depth of focus where she's dancing on the stage and there's the man conducting and it, end, and it's, you know, and then she imagines that she sees Anton Walbrook. But again, I, I, I literally love, I don't know how they did that shot. You see the stage is blue. Everything is blue. You see these glowing f- lights. She's white dancing and the man is conducting. And you see sort of the shadow of the audience. And again, it's just, it's magical. And she's, there's a light on her and you can, for me again you could i could just have that as wallpaper in my in my in my house cuz i think that she is that is the fantasy of every little girl who had the music box right right and the you know but powell again shot for shot i picked him just because there's a time and again and with the red shoes is just that's a really a kind of a masterpiece in the red all right number four uh, but i just i want to say i'm, I'm so I, f- I forgot my tequila i uh I, I promised we would have tequila here and i would do a shot at least every time <laughs> one of your shots was in color and oh and that was that was your that's first, right so. <laughs> i know and i i had to you could do tequila at home kids i, I know yes. and i feel bad because again i i struggle to do color but there's some towards the end um again okay. not that you can tell on a podcast as, as joe points out <laughs> I believe me, it's, it, I don't have anything against color. I just, I went, I just went all, you know, I went for the emotion. And so for this number four, uh, even though it might seem pretty obvious, uh, the third man, when the kitten finds Orson Welles. And first of all, it, 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 it's a twofer because I picked this, it's a little tricky. Do you know, kids, do you know why I picked this? Because not only is it a cool shot, it's a Dutch angle. <laughs> so we get a kind of a twofer there because again, Dutch angle in my career, slightly overused sometimes. Like sometimes people now again do Dutch angles just because they want something kooky. Well, that's the Batman influence again. Is it? You remember? For no reason at all. <laughs> <laughs> the Batman TV show, everything was Dutch angles. You know, yeah. Dutch angles oh, were. Right. It's because they're, Crooks. 
No, it's because and it's a comic book. It's because it's a crook comic book. Kid, crook kid, get it? It's, it's, I understood this when I was eight. <laughs> um, the reason I picked this shot, I even I wrote this down. This to me is so organic. What's what I love about the shot is not only is first of all it's a Dutch angle, and then Joseph Cotton is he's hears something, he knows someone's following him, he sees the kitten. We see the kit. All you see is a little bit of ray of light. And that's the shot of the kitten. But what makes it incredible is the organic nature that they wake up a neighbor. Uh, she's yelling. And when she opens her yes. window, light. boom, the light comes. You see his face. And then it still goes from there. He zooms in. And I don't know how he did that. All, all of those things at once are, I think, are pretty cool. It's Orsonic. It is. Yeah. Is it? Yeah. No, I mean, it, it, it's it's very like Horse and Wells, yeah. But it's yeah. it's really mystical. And then he's got that little smile. It's great. I don't it's know why I know nothing. I mean, I assume Wells would collaborate with. with well, he was known to uh, make his feelings known. To I, was being, I was being polite. <laughs> but I don't. He also looks great. But he was all—he was always very complimentary of Carl Reed and yeah. and, uh, and his experience on that movie. I'm sure he was—he was. He was he, apparently the whole cuckoo clock speech was basically him. Yeah. Uh, so he did contribute. But uh, I, I think he—he he always said it was a Carol Reed movie. There's another brilliant shot in the film, which always sticks with me, but I wouldn't want it on my wall, is when the fingers in the sewers, <laughs> in the sewers yeah. when they're, his hands reach up through the grate. But that shot of when you see uh, uh, Orson Welles and that little smile, and again, it's every, I like shots that have a multiple impact. It's like, it's Joseph Cotton, it's the kitten. I don't know where I'm looking. It's the neighbor. And then boom, you're, yeah. you, it, we, you know, right right into the, yeah. the shot of center of focus, which I think is so hard to do, you know, like for a, when a filmmaker makes something look effortless in that way and you're in the theater, you know, and uh, you think that one's great. Okay. Shall I go on? Sure. <laughs> Shall I continue kids? <laughs> I went number five. I'd be curious what your response to this is going to be. Steamboat Bill Jr. Mm, okay. Going back a ways. I'm going back. I have to say, first of all, this is Buster Keaton. Oh, but it not is. It, <laughs> that's that's Willie. <laughs> but this is, of course, this is the very iconic shot of Buster Keaton in the cyclone with the house falling over yeah. him and he falls through the little. Sliver in, in the window. Well, he stands. In the, yeah, he didn't. He, well, he's standing right. He yeah. falls through that. And, and like literally around. a two-ton house. And basically, he just sort of measured it and said, yeah, this will be fine. This will work. And <laughs> they, you know, I don't know if this is apocryphal or not, but they say that the cameraman fainted and people <laughs> walked off the set. No, this is like in reading, reading up on it. Um but he could have been killed, you know. He could have been killed numerous times. Yeah. Yes. I mean, good heavens. Every you, film. You look at his stuff and it's like, oh, he grabbed that streetcar. Jesus, he didn't pull his arm off. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, he's, he was an incredibly physical, but yet intellectual. Yeah. Comedian. So I went, I picked that because I would have to say 
oh, I'd want that shot on my wall. Like that is just, because that's just movie. That's every crazy thing you've ever did. It's better than the getaway or Steve McQueen or I, you know, it's, I don't, I don't know how you can get it. It's, it's mission. It's better than mission impossible. I mean, that's, it's real daring do right on camera. Yes. And I also picked it. I don't know if those if people are noticing. I there are other good shots within the film, and another great shot within the same film is when he's walking against the wind. Mm-hmm. And again, I don't know how they did that. Did they just put an airplane against him or something? He's walking against the wind. It just seems like every famous cartoon character just is that. Like it reminds me of Jim Carrey, or it just reminds me of anybody. Robin Williams, you know, the mime doing the thing against the wind, you could argue, I guess, that it's, you know, that's from Buster Keaton. And that was, so that was my ode to Harold Lloyd and all the, you know. Well, yeah, I remember it's, uh, I was just looking it up, it's Project A Part 2, but Jackie Chan did a ton of Buster Keaton, I mean, straight up nods, I guess you would call them, and Harold Lloyd, but he did that with a giant... Uh, Chinese wall kind of artifice that just crashes around him. It's five times the size of the house that falls on Buster Keaton. And uh, it's, it's Jackie Chan has many more broken bones than Buster Keaton. Yes, yes, he does. Yes, he does. And he's missing part of his skull. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, what's interesting to note about that film is that this is when he was in, in he was, this was the last movie he did as an independent. He then which is kind of sad that he went to MGM basically and his career <laughs> basically didn't work again. So I'm curious. I wonder why he did that. You know, my grandfather was under contract at MGM and it was like, it was kind of a factory. It wasn't like, yeah. you know, I think it would have been done better at Warner brothers or Columbia or some, you know, well, it's a matter of how much autonomy. I mean, they, they didn't give him enough autonomy. He ended up making what no beer with Jimmy Durante, you know, <laughs> Oh God. <laughs> At least he ended up in a great film like uh, Sunset Boulevard. Okay, we're on the number six. This was tough. I this was this was tough because I went back and forth over this. But Forty uh, Second Street, Lullaby of Broadway, number. Um, this shot begins with it's insane, and so like take away Brian De Palma or. Marty Steadicam, the work that Busby Berkeley did in shots are on, it's like the Manchurian candidate. I mean, we think that people invented these things, but they were, take a look at the shot from 42nd Street. It begins, it begins with Ruby Keeler. She's dancing on top of a taxi. She hops down. The camera follows her. Uh, it goes up a building inside windows. This is again before rear window and stuff like that. It follows the action. She opens the door. A man comes in. He starts to try to strangle her. She pushes him away. She goes to the window. She jumps out of the window. This is all a dance number, by the way. This this is and people are dancing. She passes Dick Powell, who is drinking like a bourbon. This is all happening simultaneously. It culminates with her landing, and then suddenly hundreds of dancers uh, appear. And then, I don't know if you remember, this is all, like, again, this one shot. Dancers appear dancing, and they're holding buildings of the Empire State Building. (laughs) 
and the they're dancing and the buildings are going back and forth. It still continues where they rotate these buildings and it the final shot culminates with a lit on the ground, I don't know how they did it, Empire State Building, in which the camera goes up that, and at the very tip top, there is Ruby Keeler and Dick Powell. <laughs> and it's like a 12-minute. And it's one shot. It's all one shot. You can see a couple cuts, obviously, cars go. But anyway, this scene's got cars, horses. There's like 500. I mean... Again, you look at rear window and you go, this guy is a masterpiece. I, who has ever done this before? But it's always funny to me in cinema that other people have done these things, yeah. you know, and usually much more arduously because the equipment was yeah. good. But that shot in 40 seconds, it was hard to pick one shot, but I have to say the impact shot of... 300, I mean, 300, 500 or something women who look exactly alike dancing with these build, these <laughs> rotating buildings. And of course, Busby Berkeley, famous for these. Did anyone do overhead shots like him of Dancing Girls before that? Did I don't think so. I think that was his signature, that? yeah. I mean, that alone, that is, yeah. you know, there's so many... Uh, and again, I had a hard time picking that from other Busby. Well, yeah, because there's a lot of other possibilities. Yeah, there's so but many. But you're allowing, I noticed you're also, you're allowing cuts if they're secret. Well, I did pick, if, you, if, you, if you're going to be a taskmaster in well, this. I was going to say, so what's, you could say then rope is. Well, no, I picked, you know, <laughs> it's the best shot of all time. <laughs> But no, I in this no, rope one. Has cuts in no, but, it. That but doesn't, so it doesn't count. <clears throat> She's allowing for cuts. I'm I saying, know, but rope. So. The, the, the the bromide on rope was that it was all one shot, and then in no, fact it wasn't all. Right, one they shot. cut every ten minutes. Well, no, it wasn't just that they right. cut every ten minutes. I mean, there's actually physical. As a no, there is. That's right. There's one yes. jump cut that's yeah. used a great. He goes in on like a person. Okay, so the first half of rope. <laughs> Good but, point. Good point. But in the if you watch the sequence, yeah. what I would if I were you know gonna pick the shot, it is the impact shot of, uh, like as I say, I don't know if it's I don't know how many people are in the shot. It, hundreds, no CGI. There's hundreds of people. I don't even know how. How far is he in the sky? Is he a hundred? How do you get that many people? And they're whole, and they're got the buildings. That would be great wallpaper. I would have that in my, uh, I mean, I just, what sound studio was that big? Well, probably their, their tallest stage, the one on, the one at Warner Brothers. That was that big. That could that hold is, 500 people. You know, there's another great <laughs> shot of, um, just if you want to look at Busby Berkeley, I don't know if you guys know this, uh, Again, I, I just don't think anyone has done it better. There's a in the sequence. I only have eyes for you. He had a he had a great ability to shoot through women's legs. That is unbelievable. I, I don't. Well, like, it's particularly difficult as you think about how much space there is. Yes, and the, how big the cameras were. How big the yeah exactly. You know, it wasn't like they had these little cameras we have today. I mean, these were big, bulky monster cameras, and somehow he manages to go through all these legs. And, yeah, and uh, obviously they must move at some point after the camera has gone by, but it's still pretty hard to 
But imagine. I was thinking, even if you shoot it backward, it would be very difficult to figure out how you. Would do I that. don't know how he did it. And there's one in this thing. I only have eyes for you. I don't know how he is doing. I mean, it's the, the somehow he is going shooting through these women's legs. And again, he's he's always like whatever. In the end, it ends up with Dick Powell and Ruby Keeler again. There is somehow at the end of the of the rainbow. But I was thinking, is there a key light on the legs? Like the legs look lit. The shoes, when I was a kid, you know, the, my sort of gateway to movies was, was musical. So those were the first, you know, and Ruby Keeler and that, like the, there's a light on, he managed to make like women's shoes just sexy, you know, these, you see these satin tapped, well, you're obviously not girls, are you? You're not, <laughs> not going to go there with me. I'm not. Beautiful. Every little girl. Our many female listeners. Wanted sure little are. satin. Yeah, yes. There's girls yes. at home going and they wanted those certain satin dance scenes. Okay. Number seven, without a doubt, you knew I had to go there. It is the apartment, Jack Lemon mm-hmm. in the middle of the frame mm-hmm. in the office. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I mean, Joe, how, how did he do that shot? How, how did he do that shot? And you, and you see Jack Lemon. Where's that light? Where's the light coming from? Is it on his desk or something? I don't know. Was that uh, Alexander it's, Troner was the, the uh, designer oh. on that? Um, that was, uh, I used to have an office at uh, Goldwyn and uh, that they shot that picture there. And uh, I would wander the stages and I would think, none of these stages look big enough for the apartment. <laughs> yeah, you know? I mean, and maybe they had changed since then. But um, at the the apartment has something in common with the trial, uh huh. You know, which came a little after uh, the Wells picture, where uh, again there's this gigantic office. Yeah, that was like some airplane hangar or something, uh, and it reminded me of the apartment. Yeah, uh, but the the great thing in the apartment is how he managed to uh, delineate the characters in the movie, even though it's 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 a widescreen black and white yes. movie, my favorite format. Uh, and you and all these people have desks and 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 places and and you kind of by the by the end of the middle of the movie you kind of know who where they all go and and of course Jack Lemmon wants to get out of there and right. get his own office and because that's what you want to do you don't want to be in that group of extras yeah you know? um, and half I would say half the movie takes place in his apartment mm-hmm. and the other half takes place in the office. Well, it's one of those, that is that sweet spot in movies for me, which again, I don't, I don't understand how they did it. Um, sweet smell of success has it too. It's just, there seems to be this very interesting light or the camera seems to be lower oftentimes. I, I don't know what it is, but you just, you saw more. Um, it, it just feel it always felt like it was going up. And like when I think of Jack Lemmon in the scene, I remember seeing light above him in that but that one shot the impact of that and that's one of those funny things too i always love in real life when you are reminded of something you're like oh it's i'm we're like in the apartment now you know what i mean when you have that if you've ever worked at an office or something like that where it's got that you know that vibe but that's a great i mean um, that yeah but that is a depressing thing to hang on your wall um, i just think now billy why of all the you know because I, you know what I had to, I knocked off my list, Sunset Boulevard, because I, I almost had, because that's a pretty cool shot is Sunset Boulevard when they're, go, where, it's just so weird. I don't know what is happening where, where she's going down 
and the reporters. It's like, did you? you oh, you mean the end of the picture? Where she's yeah, walking down the stairs. But it, it's the walk down. It's before she starts to look in the camera. Mm-hmm. But what's interesting about that shot is like he. It could have been slow motion, but what's weirder about it is everyone's moving in slow motion. You know? Oh. Did you ever think about that? How? Why did he do that? Because it was dreamlike and weird. But he could have just because used slow, slow motion. It's, it's weirder if they're. It's weirder weird, if they. But, but there is a big difference between shooting in slow of motion. Of course, it's so weird and it's so seemingly like un Billy Wilder. Like he could fluctuate from being very artistic to then you know. Well, there aren't a lot of doing. A, uh, and I don't right. mean it's in a bad way. He just wasn't that guy. But there aren't a lot of notable shots in Billy Wilder films. But the ones that are, you remember. I mean, like. Obviously, the ones you're talking about, the, the, the that last shot of uh, Ace in the Hole, um, is, yeah, he is falls into, yeah, where he falls into the camera. I mean, there's, yeah. a, there's a few of those, but just not a lot. I thought of those too, but I was giving Kirk Douglas more credit. I, I sometimes I knocked off shots because I was like, I think the actor maybe had a lot to do. I feel like Kirk Douglas hitting that mark is, you know, yeah, but somebody had to fifty decide where to put the camera. That's true. So, or maybe it was the cameraman too. But it, oh, wait, so you say it's not. It's not a great shot. If it was a collaboration, is that your? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Sometimes it's a good shot because of me. Because I, <laughs> I am the one. I give you all the credit, but I'm like, well, what if I do this? And then later on, I, oh my god, that's where, that's where you turn to your friends and say. I, I told him to do that. Yes. Well, you, you, this, you can't put this on because it's the last shot of the film. I'm like, oh, yeah, suddenly the 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 um, uh, uh, the shot of you ice skating. In, oh, yes. In, Which um, was very difficult to do. To die for. To die for. Good God. I love that film. That's that's an amazing shot. That is a, a great. So um, some inside. I digress for one minute because talking uh, about shots in uh, we did all the ice skating stuff in the movie first. And I went, you know, I knew how to ice skate a little bit, but I learned how to tricks. You know, I trained for like six weeks so I could do that's the, all. Well, I was actually, I was a pretty good, I mean, I grew oh, up you in already, England, okay. so I was, a, I knew how to do some skating. 12 weeks. I couldn't do one. But. <laughs> You know, just to do some basic jumps and things like that. Your center of gravity, I think, is probably a little. There bit. is that. That's- and I'm so excited about this thing, and we go, we go to the rink and everything, and we're and we've got the DP and we've got Gus, and we're we're shooting everything. And here was an example of the shot. They they hadn't thought about it. They said, we don't know how to do it. It looks like you're on a boat. Like can't all these shots? Like I was like wait a minute, this was, this was all planned. Like I, in my head, I had it all planned. Like I'll do a jump and then land and we'll go into camera, you know, but they, uh, we got there and we, with limited time said, I think we're, I was so disappointed. So we had to downgrade uh, everything because originally they had the cameraman was like going to follow me. And I would like skate into camera or whatever. And they, they, they just couldn't, they couldn't figure out a way uh, to do it. And the same thing then cut to the scene at the end was skating over her body. And the day we we're going to do it, there was a blizzard. So we're like, wait, we're at Lake Simcoe and we're waiting and we're waiting. And the wind is blowing and everything. And they had, um, what is it? I don't even know if they use these anymore. The Luma... A luma crane, and they set up the luma crane on the ice, and it was like, 
remember? It was like, it was, the thing was like tipping, moving. And that was an example of, you know, we had to figure out a way in terms of doing the skating on the body of, of, of finding a spot and trying to do it. And, um, I just, you know, because it's Lumacrame. And, and again, we didn't have a monitor as I recall. I think we just had to do it, um, you know, to, to a certain, uh, extent, but I remember we never really got the shot. We were not, you know even though again what is in the film is great, great but it's yeah. so interesting as a what you know behind the scenes mm -hmm. it actually was not quite what, it what we wanted and so therefore i think it actually begins in a way that you know that w there had to be modified in the editing room but it was one of those things it was it was an elaborate shot which have you had that experience which is that's heartbreaking right where you plan something and you just I've I've had <laughs> I've you had just times have to modify, I, I've right? I've had times we had to modify the scene because we went to the location and it wasn't available, but we still had to shoot the same scene because we only had certain actors, so we went to another location and just made it up. You know, uh, that's what you have to do. Oh, that's a heartbreak. That's a heartbreak. Okay, number eight, the shot of Ruth Gordon on the phone, sitting on the bed, which is a static shot in, oh, in Rosemary's the, Baby. One of the great shots in movies. The 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 one shot where all of a sudden, everybody in the movie in the audience yes. moves over in their seat <laughs> as try. if by moving a little bit in their seat they can see past the doorway. Yes, it never fails. I mean, you, if you you could put a camera on them and you just get you could just play it over and over. The audience always goes and moves to try to see yes. around the corner. <laughs> and that is the only shot on my list that is static. A static shot. It's just a static. Shot. It's just the framing and the br the brilliant idea. Oh, that's great. To, to, uh, and, and the film has other great shots. No, in it's, it a, it's too. a great, it's a great movie, but, but it's that, that is a little piece of film history that I, I've never seen anybody else duplicate. No, I don't even know how you could, another beautiful looking film. Mm. Like it looks, looks great. Yellow. I, I don't know. It just made New York. New York never look better. Yes. Even though it was sort of scary. Now, another great, great shot in the thing, just for fun, since we're talking about it, which I feel like has been replicated 18,000 times is when she's on the phone yeah. and uh, she thinks Dr. Saperstein but is- That's really William Castle. Yes. I stole, I, I stole that scene in The Howling. I did it with <laughs> Roger Corman. <laughs> I mean, that is, that is right, great. And then he looks for the change. Yeah. I mean, mm. that is such a fun, because you, as you're watching, you're like, oh my God, I can't, no, they're going to get her. Uh, but that is, uh, that's a fun, there's so many good scare things. Another good shot in that film, which I've seen replicated time and again in horror movies. That's the first time I remember seeing in a movie, uh, feet cut, you know, feet, fed, feet, knife. You know, and there's a thing where she's padding along in her little slippers. Mm, yeah, yeah. And I've seen that, you know, again, that now it's sort of a popular thing in horror movies. You see the, you know, the feet walk, walk, walk with the feet. And then you have a head and then you see that she's holding the knife. But that's editing. But, you know. It's economical, too. Yes. People do it. But it was fun. Okay. So, 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 so something yes. was, was poking in the back of my head. World of Henry Orient. New York has a, a similar beautiful look, look to it. Yeah. yeah not like the out of towners. 
<laughs> I know. He's triggering me. Oh, <laughs> maybe a good print of it doesn't exist. It. You're right, though. There were certain movies from the 70s. You're like, what's happening? Why did they, they look so raggedy? You know? Well, that's a movie lab color. Is, uh, one of the, one is of that the, it? It was one of the culprits. You know, it's another pretty colorful movie from the 60s, The Odd Couple. Yeah. It has that same. Well, those are Paramount pictures. Paramount always had a technicolory kind of look to it. Yeah. So was, I think I've only seen the odd couple on TV. So. Oh, yeah. you mean the one with Tony Randall? No, the, I know the <laughs> difference. <laughs> with Walter Matthau. That actually is a pretty good. Speaking of shots, Walter Matthau at the baseball game with the actual game going on behind and he misses the game when Felix calls him about dinner is actually a pretty funny shot in terms of. In terms of comedy, alrighty, number nine. Uh, we're getting we're getting down to the ten ten, which was a tie. Number oh. nine, North by Northwest, Cary Grant in the airplane crop dusting. Yeah, the crop dusting shot, just because it's got it, to. And it was so got hard to, to pick. And last time I was here, I picked Psycho as one of my favorite scenes. So mm. I get I sh- I mean Hitchcock, you know, which I'm going to get to. I have a li- random list. Don't worry, we're not done. We're going to be here all. You can't. I have you captive. So North by Northwest, any, anything about that shot? In- I mean, what, uh, well, there's a bunch of shots. I mean, the, 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 the great shot is the, the opening shot, which shows you where he is. From, in the field. From, from fucking far away that I yeah. have no idea how they did it. It's a static shot. Yeah. It's not from a helicopter. It's, I don't know how high they built this thing to get this shot to show the road yeah, and, and how far back it goes and everything. And the guy on the other side waiting for the bus. Yeah. Um, I mean, you get a complete sense of where you are, but that what's, what's fascinating to me about that sequence is that all through the whole movie, Cary Grant's um, suit has been grayish blue. Mm-hmm. And in this scene, uh, in, oh, in the original Prince, yes. it's brown. Because Ooh. they did a they did a little thing with the color to make the whole thing look a little dustier. Yeah, and 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 that's how and in the original Technicolor prints it just turns brown and that's and then and then when that scene's over it goes back to blue. But when they tried to time it for video, they said, "Well, this, this is a mistake. Got to fix this." <laughs> and it was and then so what they ended up doing was taking all of the yellow out of the scene and making uh-huh. the scene blue to try to match the scene to his coat yes which is like no that's not what it's supposed to look like that's a mistake now obviously today if you wanted to you could go in and you could make his suit whatever color you want Mm -hmm. you know but uh it's just another example of things that people don't remember about what movies looked like when they were new yeah just sort of assume things when they try to time them now for a different medium right well it's true it's true like i was as you were talking i was thinking of um robin hood and uh, like seeing that on the screen was nothing like seeing it on television. I mean, just in terms of seeing the beautiful, you know. Costner's so good in that. Yes. Uh, <laughs> all right. We're getting down it to. Never gets old. I have. I know. Um, now, we can either do a tie or do you want to hear number 11? Are you I'm, saying, I'm are you saying yours goes to 11? <laughs> Mine goes to 11. And then I have honorable mention. Oh, okay. So let's get number 10. Which is interesting because I, I mean, again, that wasn't number I'm, 10, the last one. No, oh, that, that was, was number, number nine. nine. Number 10 is, number uh, is Raging Bull, the Dolly Zoom of, you know, of, uh, you know, that's of course, famous scene from the Dolly Zoom from, from Raging Bull. Of, the, what's the boxer's name? Ja- is it Jackie? Oh, you mean uh, Sugar Ray. 
Sugar Ray. Sugar Ray. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. Know, in, the, in the fight scene. Yes. It's, slow, it's all slow motion, so. Yeah, yeah. And, and so it's the one particular shot. That's great. Where, you know, that, that He's is. He's been knocked down and Sugar Ray is up there. And, and I don't even like, you know, I'm not a boxing person and I'm, you know, and weirdly it's not like a movie for me. I don't really particularly like it. But I remember seeing that fil- film and just like, how did they do that? Oh, you don't like it either? I didn't say anything. It's just not my cup of tea, you know. Okay. It's it's my least favorite beloved masterpiece. Mm. And well, it that's is an interesting a- topic for another show. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, I mean, no, I go back. I mean, I, I probably have bought every version of it. I got the Blu-ray. I go back. I watch it. You go, holy shit! It's not enjoyable. Everybody's firing on all cylinders. That, yeah, and, and that may I'm, be one of those movies that you don't watch all the time through all the way. Right. There are a lot of movies that you just watch pieces of. Right. And particularly if you're going to be clicking around on the TV, which people, I guess, still do. Um, and there's only one station where you can see it because the only one station runs black and white. Uh, but um, I think it's a, it's a pretty darn good movie. It's, it's not an easy movie to watch. Right. Yeah. Because it's, 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 it's pretty unpleasant. I mean, well, that, know, that's these characters, not... it's like, do you, when I saw Revolutionary Road, I remember thinking, oh, if these people came to my house, I would leave. Yeah. And, and so I left. <laughs> <laughs> because yeah. at a certain point, you just you, you don't want these people but in your life. But there's plenty of great movies about <clears throat> reprehensible, despicable, awful people. Yeah, it's just something about uh, the ones in Raging Bull and Revolutionary Road. I would say where I just I'm I'm not. Yeah, it made me uncomfortable. Yeah, and that's I, why I say I fluctuated about. Well, as a woman, I would think it would make you uncomfortable too, because it's you know. It's, but yet I poor Kathy uh, really <laughs> takes it on the chin in that picture. And I, I and I saw it in I think I saw it in high school. I feel like I can't remember what year it came out, but anyway, it was it was like not my cup of tea at all. Mm. But I recall I remember that scene, and you know it's so effective doing that. Even though I was a kid when I saw Jaws, and I saw the same thing in Jaws, it registered more for me uh, in Raging Bull. I you know which you could say is the critique of Marty. Sometimes his stuff is a little self conscious. It's like you're noticeably aware of the shot and Spike Lee sometimes does the speaking of of shots he does that you know that tracking thing where he puts them on the dolly yes but who did it first John Frankenheimer in seconds that's right right. I remember the first time I saw seconds I was like wait a minute that's the thing that Spike Lee always does and I thought he invented it my favorite use of that is the one in in Honestly, I mean, I, you have to say, do the right thing aside because I think it's one of the greatest movies ever made. Outside yeah. of that, my favorite Spike Lee film is Crooklyn. And it's just it because it's so much like where I grew up and when I grew yeah. up, and it's just such a lovely film. And but there's a scene. Do you remember? There's the two Spike Lee plays the character. These two guys who sit around sniffing glue, <laughs> and there's a scene where they're high, and he does that tracking shot, but they're upside down. Yes. <laughs> Just going through the neighborhood upside down. Was that Ernest Dick Dickerson? Probably. Probably. I think so he great. Yeah, I think he did he shoot? Yeah, I think so. Former former guest of the yes. show. Oh yes. Show. Oh yeah. Oh, he's awesome. I I well, I was briefly in Jungle Fever. I was cut. Oh. Sadly, I know. But I got to. We had fun working. Um. Okay, number eleven. I'll do it very quickly. Go. Rocco and his brothers. Does anyone remember Rocco and his brothers? I've yeah, seen, I haven't, I haven't seen that in a long time. Yeah. Well, there's particular scenes very. It's on the new Criterion Channel, however, which, oh, it which is? as of today, yes, yesterday, uh, finally went live. Wow! And it's it replaces Filmstruck, in right? A way. 
which for those of you who haven't been paying attention, yes. uh, is a way to see movies online. Not uh, not that I recommend that necessarily. Well, because yeah. I like to see TV. them on a big screen. Um, but uh, they have uh, they have a, the whole Criterion collection plus a lot of stuff from Turner and uh, it's 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 all, it's a hundred bucks a month or a hundred bucks a year, oh, ten bucks a month. I was gonna say hundred a month. hundred bucks a year. Yeah. That's not bad. Uh, and if you were smart to get in on the early version yes. of it, you get a discount. Oh. but you don't get that anymore. Uh, but anyway, you should check it out because it's a Criterion channel. It's 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 really. Uh, you can watch it on TV. That's great stuff. Yeah, if you if you can hook your computer up to the TV show. Yeah. No, it's actually on Roku. Roku, Apple TV. Yeah, yeah. good lord. Welcome to the 21st century, well, I'm Joseph. Sorry. I just, I, it's on my t- it's on my computer. That's where it lives. The square thing. <laughs> a big square thing with the buttons. Yes. Um, but yeah, Rocco and his brothers, there's an incredible scene uh at at the at the end, which is a very very, very tough scene. But um it's this uh a rape scene and she knows she's about to be raped and and the camera's on her back it's unbelievable it is unbelievable and as the men approach her she puts her arms out like a crucifix it's insane it's like one of the most upsetting disturbing but it is cinematic and then she kind of puts her head back and I, it's insane. And it's all one, you know, sort of a shot. So that was you, my. You'd hang it on your wall? Because she, it is in this moment, I, which again, she becomes like, it's cat. You have to be Catholic maybe to understand. <laughs> it is it because she becomes it's the cruise. It is her sacrifice. It is her suffering. It is the it's what Italy went through in the war. It's kind of just everything. And I don't know why it works, but it just, it's just her penance and you, it's she, and she accepts her suffering. And it's like an, you know, so it's a, it's really powerful in a way that I think is more powerful than a movie like two women or, mm-hmm. or, or something like that. I, I believe it's Visconti. Yeah. It is. Who did the leopard? Who, which didn't make my list. I'm going to run through these very quickly. Honorable, oh, this, is your, this is your honorable mention. Honorable mention: the shot of the monster in the thing. I, I think that's a really fun scene because what I liked about this is that with limited budget and lighting, they managed to like really get a good jump and a really good scare out of you. Yeah, you know when he appears like that. I don't know. Was he backlit or something? Yeah. It's just, but it's, it's funny. Like as I was watching it and they, and they're all the men, you can kind of, you can't see the men, but you can sort of see them enough. Well, what's interesting about the thing is that for the, uh, the thing from another world, actually, the thing from another world. Uh, that is that uh, for years before the advent of so much coverage that movies get, we didn't really look, we didn't know what James Arness looked like that much because yeah. in the movie it's, he's presented very fleetingly. Yes, and you get a you get an impression of him, but you never really see what the makeup looks like. And now, of course, everybody sees the makeup, and it's fairly minimal. Yeah, and so it's not quite as cool as it seemed to be when we first saw the movie. But um, it is it's recently been restored finally uh, to its original length, and it looks terrific. And it's one of the best ensemble movies ever. Yeah, and it's got a lot of really terrific actors, almost none of whom were billed in the picture, except at the very end. Uh, and um, it's it's got that classic overlapping dialogue thing and it's not it's not not really hawks because he didn't really officially direct the movie right but it's obviously 
a Hawks production, and yes. the, and the the, the um, it, and it's it was incredibly influential to John Carpenter, who you know not only remade it but yes. but uh, you know has has done versions of Hawksian stuff throughout his career. Yeah, he recreated another really fun shot in that movie, which is in the beginning when they they, they spread oh, out, they fan the out. Saucer, yeah. Yeah. It's so great. That's a really it's fun, a uh, you know, that's a really fun shot too. All right, other honorable mentions, you know, the beach kissing scene from Here to Eternity. I would have, that's pretty. Yawn. Really? <laughs> Bert, like, you're not a Burt Lancaster? No, it's, it's not that. It's just that that's like such a cliche, that shot now. Well, it's been used it in every what? single compilation of scenes from Hollywood movies, and it's like oh, that's it's not because it's a terrible shot. No, no, it's fine. I just think that <laughs> it works fine I, in the movie. The reason it's it made an honorable mention was just as funny. Like the sun has to. to be right, the oh. water has to be right, the bathing suit has to be right. He manages to kiss her without putting sand in her. You know, a lot of things could go wrong. All you can think of when you watch it is like, <laughs> sand. How much <laughs> sand on the <laughs> sand in their nether parts? Okay, uh, Persona and yeah. Seventh Seal made my, you know, playing chess with death. Right. That's incredible. And Persona is... The, the that, two faces. The two faces. Yeah, it's pretty. Uh, the, Ingmar Bergman, again, shot for shot. And then I didn't include, because I, I just thought they were just too obvious. Citizen Kane, Apocalypse Now, Lawrence of Arabia. I put in The Untouchables, The Shining, Psycho, Vertigo. Uh, I put in two uh, Darjeeling Express for me as well, oh. actually my favorite Wes Anderson movie. I think there's some really interesting framing, and I love that movie. I know other people don't like it. Well, he's, a, he's an acquired taste, uh, which I yes. have actually acquired now. I have too. I have too, yeah. But that I one is... I, I it's a weird thing. It didn't work you... for me for a long time. Well, what was the... Um... But when I saw Grant, uh, the hotel... Uh, yeah. Oh, Moonrise Kingdom. Moon, yeah. Moonrise I have King. never, the first five minutes of the film, and I went with a friend, Dan Waters, who's been on this show. And Dan knows me so well. And he, he told me after, he's like, I could tell the first five <laughs> minutes of Moonrise Kingdom, I wanted to leap into the film and strangle Wes Anderson. It was so Wes Anderson. Every shot, I'm going, ah, and 10 minutes into the movie. I'm in paradise. I love that film to death. But the first couple of minutes yes. are, if you're not already on the West Manor. Well, I that, love dogs. I'm telling you, that's the one. Yeah, I love yeah. dogs. It's wonderful. No, I love all of his movies. But again, going back to the very beginning with somebody like John Frankenheimer, that was effortless. And I don't know what the, you know, is it is it good to be self-conscious and make people aware of your shots? You know, I don't know. Now it seems like we're in a time well, where... Well, you know, it's a, it, it, it directing as opposed to writing uh, can be a pretty show-off-y uh, kind of thing. And, yeah. uh, you know, there are certain Brian De Palma movies where you really get the a, feeling that he's just doing it yes. to be cool. Yes. You know, the opening shot of Bonfire of the Vanities. Yes. You know, which is like goes on forever and is, you know, technically very virtuosic. And in the at the expense of a movie that's almost impossible to sit through. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it's, I mean, it's, it's, it's fun to watch people do that kind of stuff. Um, but you have to do it awfully well to not call attention to it. Well, right. like, but with Wes Anderson, it's so stylized from beginning to end. Yeah. No, there's that, never anything real. In a Wes yeah. Anderson. You're not, you're, it's, there's not that jarring moment when the movie turns into something else and goes, look at this shot. You're yeah. the whole film is in that place. I, I, for me, unless, 
yeah, if it's if it's not about telling the story and the emotional impact, the the those kind of bravura shots in the middle of a film that that just blow your mind with their technical proficiency drive me fucking nuts. Yeah, because they get in the way of everything. And now I'm thinking about the fact that I'm watching a movie, whereas which goes back to the Frankenheimer thing, where every great shot from Frankenheimer, you know, you probably have to see the <laughs> film. You have to see the film for the third or fourth time before you realize it's an amazing shot because it just. It's shot the way it should be shot. You right. Know? He's just telling the story. And then yeah. you go back and, you know, you go, oh, yeah, right. Holy shit. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, we recommend that you run right out and watch The Manchurian Candidate. Yeah, yes. The Manchurian, uh, or any, but that's. Which is almost start, a documentary now. You should start <laughs> with The Manchurian Candidate. <laughs> the, uh, uh, something really interesting to listen to, although sort of sad, but watch all of his movies and then watch the reindeer games. I've recommended this to other people. Reindeer games with commentary by John Frankenheimer. Oh, I've seen this. Yeah. It's very sad because yeah. <laughs> he talks about, he, he, he's not in an embarrassed way. He talks about the various Ups and downs. Ups and downs of the movie and what he was, he'd say, oh, no, this scene, they made me reshoot. And this is what you, you know. It's a very hard, it's a very hard commentary to listen to, actually, if you're a director, because it's like, you just feel so, so much pain. But at one point he goes, you know, in my day, uh, you know, we didn't, we didn't have these previews. And he lists the movie. He goes, you know, Manchurian getting seven days in May. We (laughs) didn't have previews. And, uh, you know, it's it's like. And the movies were better. Yeah. Because the audience wasn't telling you what to make. Yeah. So it's, uh, you know, it's, it, it's jarring, but so, so that is my, well, that was, that was good. amazing. For, yeah. uh, that was remarkable for a non-visual yes. thing. It's yes. very visual to try to yeah describe great shots. Any that you did, any that you, uh, disagree with vehemently? No, we would have, we would have disagreed yeah. on the spot. I wouldn't let you get away with that. I, I you know, the, uh, yeah, the only, I still, I'm still going to say Manchurian Candidate is my number, it's number one. It's your yeah, favorite movie. That's a spectacular choice. It's definitely in my top 10. It is so enjoyable. It is. I watch yeah. it every time it's on. It's I fascinating. Just, it's just one of those movies that if you, oh, Manchurian, I'll watch it. Doesn't matter yeah. what part. Doesn't matter. I like yeah. them all. I like all the dialogue. You, it's got great you, dialogue. What are you watching I like every, where this happens? Huh? Is this, uh, it's on Turner a lot. Oh, because I, 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 also on, I can't remember the last time on, I turned on a TV and just flipped through no, channels. No, 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 it's it would on, take a year. If you, have, if you have epics and you have um, uh, stars and there's a whole bunch of places. There's Cinema Retro. There's one called right. Retro. Uh, and if you want to or Sony right. uh, or MGM, I mean, all those things, all those places run old movies. And, they, and it's the only place to see Westerns. Well, I, I find that there are movies that I have to watch. Every year, though, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I have to watch The Ghost of Mrs. Muir, this mm-hmm. one that yeah. I just love. Because it and, makes you feel good. And, and you want, it's 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 like taking a hit. Yeah. You know? You just, yeah, I want to feel that way again. I, I, I love this movie. I, like, I love what it makes, I love how it makes me feel. Definitely. I, I it's enjoy, a calming. I experience that. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And I feel that way, even though it's such a disturbing movie, Manchurian can yeah. But it's like, I just feel at ease. It's like. Uh, I can watch every part of this is like I've never seen it before. Yeah. Lawrence, you know. Well, and also I still haven't figured out the mystery of the Janet Lee character. You're right. You know, she's actually a very mysterious character. Yeah. And yes. I haven't quite figured out whether she's working for the government or whether, you know, whether she's. Because yeah. she's always there 
for Frank Sinatra. She, whenever, right. whenever he gets in trouble and she always shows up. Yeah. She knows where he is all the time. <laughs> I mean, it's really, it's, well, and, it's, all, and it's not even, about, that's not even what the movie's about. We've talked about this show before, I think, but it's, it is one of the strange, look, I know he's Frank Sinatra and magnetic and charismatic, but she's sitting on a train, this yes. stunning, amazing, incredible Janet Lee. Yeah. And she and this sees this guy, this, yeah, this guy. sweaty, shaky guy, <laughs> can't even light a cigarette. And she goes, Ooh, I feel he is for me. I, it's just- so that's one of the reasons that you start thinking now, what are her, yeah. what are her motivations? You know? Right. And, uh, I've, I've never read any, uh, you know, interviews with George Oxelrod saying why, and I haven't read the book lately, so I don't yeah, know if she's even the in the book. Yeah, I, don't- I don't even know if she's in the book. Uh, but it's, um, you know, it's, that's fascinating. But it goes to the paranoia of the film. Yeah. 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 Well, this yeah. time when I saw it, it reminded me a little bit of Eva Marie Saint in North by Northwest. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, it's like the perverse version of Eva Marie, you know, neurotic 60s uh, paranoia just happens to be there on the train, you know. Well, at uh, least that gets sort of explained. Right, it's, of course it does. Yeah. But just that she's blonde and she sort of looks like her, sharper, yeah, yeah. you know. And they're on a train. Yeah. yeah. Um, but well, that's, that's not as that, that's not as specific as the uh, as the uh, comparisons between uh, Psycho and Touch of Evil. Yeah, mm-hmm. because you know, yeah, with the, hotel the, the, and, the whole scenes with Dennis Weaver yeah. in the motel in Touch yeah. of Evil are like a rehearsal. Yeah, for Psycho, and yeah. they, they even look kind of similar because they're yeah. both shot at Universal. Yeah, so it's that's that's always been an interesting dichotomy for me. There's the difference between those two pictures because did did Hitchcock see Touch it? Would he see? He might. I mean, who knows? I mean, no, nobody's. I, I've never yeah. seen that that uh, uh, that similarity explored anywhere. Yeah. I wonder, yeah. and, I and like wonder. you said, who's around to ask? Yeah, you know. Yeah, that's true. Somebody's yeah. around to ask. Well, we're around. Yeah. And we'll be here next week, folks. That's right. Ileana, thank you so much. <laughs> thank you. Once again, we look forward to you coming back and doing your 10 favorite frames. That one's. Are we going to do a... frame? We will. We got it. We, it's. Your it's, we... 10 favorite cuts, your 10 favorite movies that are uh, devalued or, you know, the yeah. movies that, are, that let's, people let's think aren't good, we, but we'll really are. We'll leave it to the audience. Yeah. We'll and and, they, and they, they do communicate to us. Good. So they, yeah. well, somebody They say should. things like, Josh, could you have more elocution? <laughs> you know, Speak things like up. That. Speak up so we can hear you, things like that. Uh, but I'd love to know what, what other, if people want to do cuts or. Yeah, tell, tell, tell us what. Tell us what you want Eliana. What you want Eliana to, to do come, next time. Because she will. Because <laughs> she will. She'll be, she'll be home thinking up, you know. I still think it should be a game show. I, you'd run out of. Uh, you mean it's not? No. <laughs> I think we need to argue. I think in front of a studio audience, and we each need our- a monster palooza. Hey, that's right. <laughs> and we would argue. <laughs> yeah, we should do some kind of uh, too late. We're See, doing monster palooza in a couple of days. I think so. that by showing, like, if we showed that, you know, if I showed that scene from Forty Second Street, mm. people would go, "Okay, you're right. This is yeah. well, that's a cool this scene. is insane. It's people are cool drinking. Scene. There's yeah. horses going by. There's cars. But you just have to describe it." That's how you win by describing it. That's the thing. Oh, get them interested. When you see it, you're like, just get them interested in right. code. I mean, movies. now we're so used to CGI. I mean, don't don't. I'm getting. Well, I see all, it, but I'm not used to it. You know, and it does not have the same emotional impact. I'm sorry. It's like seeing. You're like, wait a minute. Those are real horses going by there, and you know, it's a completely different. You know, in the old days, it 
Buster Keaton, you just stood there and the house fell on yeah. you. Yeah. Well, that's the joy of Jackie Chan, too. He does it, he does it live. Yes. Jackie Chan. Anyway, thank you. Our show was recorded in beautiful downtown Burbank. For the official podcast of TrailersFromHell.com, the best damn movie website there is. Our engineer is the composer Don Barrett, who also transmogrified, produced, and created our theme song. This is Josh Olson for the Movies That Made Me. Hi, I'm Neil. And I'm Ken. And we are from the Triviality Podcast, a pub trivia-style game show where a lack of seriousness meets a little bit of knowledge. Join us each week for an hour-long game of general knowledge trivia featuring special guests from around the world, plus tons of extra themed episodes. If you want to improve your trivia game, or you just want to scream at us in your car when we get easy questions wrong, then we're the show for you. Find Triviality on all your favorite podcast apps. But you know that, because you're already listening to a podcast.